Hello, welcome to our online service. I'm Marianne. I'm here with Alan today. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Good to have you hosting the online. I know I've never done this before, now. so it feels a little weird. Yes, it's fun. So this service today is a little bit different. If you're watching it on Saturday, Merry Christmas. We're just yes. coming out of Christmas Eve services, mm -hmm. and this year Christmas falls on the weekend. So we decided, hey, let's do something different so rather than in person and live stream. We're all gathered here this weekend and this week, if you're watching later on the week, for this one online only experience. So Alan is here with me to enjoy this along with you guys. Uh, I wanted to mention just a couple of things related to year end and then the start of the new year. So in terms of year end, um, as you know, um, generosity is a huge, uh, significant thing for our church, um, a value that we have. And so many of you um, give generously and and many of you um, give year-end gifts. And so we wanted to just let you know some logistics about that. So in order for that to be considered in this this year, mm -hmm. in 2021, um, we need you to, uh, there are a couple of options. You can either give online um, on the 31st or before. Mm -hmm. You can um, uh, uh, send mail uh, a gift to us, uh, to the church, and that has to be postmarked by December 31st. Or you could drop a gift by the church um, that week up to the 31st. And I'm not exactly sure our holiday hours on the 31st. There should be someone here, but just check out social media mm -hmm. and our other information just in terms of the exact hours that we will be open on that particular Friday. Yeah. Um, and so thank you again for your, your generosity towards Christ community and all that God is doing here. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was the start of the new year, we often do a fast. Um, this year we're doing it a little different. Um, we're going to do, rather than a five-day, we're going to do a, a three-day, three days of seeking God. And uh, we're going to do this starting the second week of January. So it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, January 10th, 11th, and 12th. And so we encourage you to seek the Lord. If you want to fast for all or part of that time, that would be great. And then the other thing we're doing is on mm -hmm. Wednesday evening, January 12th, we're going to culminate the that time of seeking the Lord with a prayer night, some prayer and worship that night and communion. Uh, so that's going to be really cool to finish that fast and that seeking the Lord together. So I'm super that's excited awesome. about that. Yeah. yeah, great things to look forward to in the yep. beginning of the year. All yeah. right, so I'm going to pray for you, for us, for Pastor Nate, who's going to bring the message today for this time that we'll have together. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you, we long for you, we're here for you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in, in all the places where we are, in all the places where my friends are engaging with this video or podcast. Uh, you are welcome, your presence is welcome, and we long for you to speak to us, uh, to touch us, in whatever circumstances we're in, however our week is going. So I bless this time and we open our ears and our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, a couple years ago, I read this book called The Insanity of God. Uh, it was written by a guy by the name of Nick Ripkin. Um, li little backstory on him, him and his wife were missionaries from the Midwest who went over to Africa. 
right? And in this book, what Nick does is he tells the story of how there was this point in his life where because of some things that he went through on the mission field, because of some things that his family had to endure, uh, he, he got to this point where he was having a crisis of faith, right? In this crisis, it got him to this place where he really began to doubt God, right? To wonder if God was actually moving in this world, if God could do anything about the brokenness of his own life and the brokenness of the, the suffering of all of the people that he saw around him. He didn't know if God could do anything about the pain he was feeling. Now, now Nick, he tells us in this book that he didn't like that he was feeling this way. And so he decided that he was gonna do something about it. And so he took kind of a, a little sabbatical from being on the mission field and he went around and he began to travel to different parts of Africa and China to go meet with people who were a part of the persecuted church, right? People who were really suffering. And, and the thing that he wanted to know was simply this, did they feel the same way he did? Right? Did, did they have the same questions that he did? And, and most importantly, if they did, what were they doing about it, right? And so over the course of the next couple months, Nick traveled around and he got to hear these stories of faith and of life and of experiencing God from people who from all objective standards shouldn't be able to tell them, right? He got, he got to, to hear about how even in the midst of all of these hard things that they were walking through, that these people who are suffering, they saw God as being faithful, as showing up, as doing these amazing, miraculous things, like God was working. And the stories that he tells in this book, like they, they are so powerful. I remember when I was reading them, there were so many times where I was nearly in tears. I was so moved by the faith of these believers who in spite of everything that they were dealing with, they kept chasing after Jesus. And the only thing that was going through my mind as I sat and just reflected on these stories was simply this. That's the kind of life that I wanna live, right? I, I wanna be so committed to Jesus. I, I wanna be so on board with his mission here in this world that I would literally do anything for him, that, that I would give up anything for him, that I would endure anything from him. Now, at the end of the day, I got to imagine that you probably want that too, right? When we hear these stories of Christians doing these crazy things for Jesus, like our, our hearts, they start to beat just a little bit quicker. We, we start to get excited. We start to wish that these were the kinds of stories that we ourselves could be telling, right? We, we want that. We do. But I really believe that most of us, we don't actually think we can do it. Right? We don't believe that those stories could be true about us, do we? I mean, if you're like me, when you hear these stories, you think that these people, they're able to live that way because there's something special about them. Right? There's something that they have that we don't have that actually enables them to live in this way. Right? They, they can do this because they're more holy than me. They're more qualified than I am. They're more gifted. They've got less sin in their life. They have less baggage. They've got less responsibility. Right? These are the things that we tell ourselves. And, and I think sometimes we tell ourselves these things because we wanna let ourselves off the hook, right? Like that, that's sometimes, but other times we, we actually believe them. But we've got to pause and ask, is that what the Bible actually teaches us? Right, does it say that God only uses perfect people who have everything together? Well, no, it, it doesn't. In fact, it tells us quite the opposite. See, the Bible would tell us that God's got more grace for us than we do sin for him. 
It tells us that there is no amount of sin or disinterest or junk that we bring to the table that's ever gonna outweigh the grace and the mercy that Jesus offers us. It tells us that God doesn't call the equipped, but instead he equips the called. It tells us that there is no amount of fear or insecurity or sense of inadequacy that he can't overcome in his desire to use us. You know, as as we're here looking ahead right now to this new year, because after all, this is the last Sunday of 2021. As we contemplate what we hope to experience in our faith journey and in our relationships with Jesus in 2022, I wanna propose that we don't do what we normally do, all right? Which is just to come up with this list of things we need to accomplish, right? Some resolutions, I need to pray more. I need to go to church more. I need to read my Bible more, right? All of those are really good things, but my hope is that today, maybe we could dream a little bit bigger, that that we could look ahead to this new year a little more expectantly, expecting God to do bigger things, that we'd look ahead to this next year with hope, a hope for the kind of life that we could experience with Jesus, a hope to experience a life that is ultimately worth living. All right, so in our time together, I want us to explore a couple things that I think we need, to, we need to understand if we're gonna live that kind of life, right? And to do that, we're gonna look at a story that comes out of Mark chapter five. So if you have your Bible, you can go and pull that out. It's also gonna be up here on the screen, which is kind of cool. But let me give you a little backstory before we begin, All right? So where our story picks up, uh, which is in Mark 5, right? Just before this, Jesus and his disciples had been over in the region of Galilee, right? The Lake of Galilee in this long season of ministry, right? Jesus was teaching the crowds. He was performing all kinds of miracles and he was doing all kinds of things that was causing the word of who he was to spread around the whole city, around the whole nation, around that whole region. Now, as you can imagine, that, that, that'd be pretty exhausting, right? Having all these people coming to you wanting some help. And so at the end of one particularly long day of ministry, as the sun was setting, Jesus looks at his disciples and he tells them, let's go to the other side of this lake here, right? And so they get into this boat, they sail across the sea, right? And if if you'd read about this in Mark 4, you would know that this is actually a pretty, uh, pretty eventful journey, right? Because when they were sailing across the sea, there was actually this storm, the disciples, they thought they were going to die. But then Jesus does this thing where he speaks to the waves and the storm literally calms down and the waters get flat. I mean, it's pretty, pretty wild stuff, right? So this is everything that happens right before where we pick up in Mark chapter five, verse one, where it says this, it says, and then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Right, so after that whole storm, they arrived at their destination. It was a place called the country of the Gerasenes. Now, now we got to pause here, right? Because this statement about where they went, it, it kind of seems innocent, maybe just a little descriptive to us as Western readers, but it's actually very loaded. You see, there are a lot of times where the Bible is super straightforward, but there are other times where there is this subtext, where these, there are these things that are happening underneath the surface where the ancient readers would have picked up on it, but we as Westerners don't. And this is one of them. You see, this journey that they went on, it was highly unusual. In fact, many people would have thought it to be scandalous, right? The land of the Gerasenes, it was a place that no self-respecting Jewish individual, let alone a rabbi like Jesus, would ever go to. Now, now the land, it got its name from its capital city. It was called Gerasa. And it was a part of a region known as the Decapolis. Now, if you're into the etymology of words, you'd know that 
this probably means 10 cities, right? You got Deca, 10, Opolis, cities, right? There were 10 cities. And these cities, they were actually kind of unique. They had been established and built by the Roman Empire as a way to introduce the Greco-Roman way of life to the nation of Israel, right? This was their strategy for assimilation. What the Romans would do when they conquered a new land, they'd go in, they'd build these cities so that they could introduce the people who lived there to the Roman way of life. Things like running water, toilets, theaters, all really good things. And in doing so, the idea was that the people they had conquered would see how good this Roman way of life was and they would begin to assimilate naturally into it, right? Not as people who were forced to, but as willing participants. It was an absolutely brilliant strategy and it worked in so many parts of the world, but not so much in Israel. You see the Jewish people, they were a proud people. They had this understanding of their history and the promises that had been made to them about this particularly, particular land that they lived in. And they didn't take kindly to the Roman occupation. You see, they were, they were too proud to let go of their roots. They were too proud to let go of who they were. And so when it came to foreign lifestyles and foreign practices like the Romans, when it came to these cities, they did everything they could to avoid them because they despised them. Now the text doesn't tell us that explicitly, but we've got to understand that this way of thinking, it was influencing everything we're about to read here. Because when we read that Jesus went to the land of the Gerasenes on purpose, right? That he set out to go there it tells us that Jesus wanted to do something that was maybe a little bit out of the ordinary, something unusual. And he does. Mark continues and he tells us about it. Verse two says this, when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. All right, so just imagine for a second being one of Jesus's disciples. You spend the whole night sailing across some rough waters to go to a place you don't wanna go. You've seen some pretty crazy things on that water that honestly probably scared you a little bit. And as soon as you get to the other side of the shore, to this place you don't wanna be in the first place, guess what you've got? You've got a man with unclean spirits, which is just another way of saying he was demon possessed, running up to your boat and yelling. And you've gotta be thinking to yourself, what on earth is happening? Well, Mark goes on to give us some more information about this guy. It says that he lived among the tombs and nobody could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and he was cutting himself with stones. All right, so now we find out a few more things about this guy. He is demon possessed. He lives in a graveyard and that's not the only weird thing about him. He's got superhuman strength. Right, so, so people, probably his friends and family had at times tried to subdue him both to protect him and to protect other people, but these chains, they couldn't hold the guy. He would literally rip them apart, right? Everybody who tried to subdue him failed miserably. And so instead of trying to help him anymore, the people of his city, they drove him away, which tells us that this guy was utterly alone and probably had been that way for many, many years. He spent his days running around the tombs, cutting himself with sharp objects and screaming. Now, now this story, it's actually told in a couple of the other gospels as well. And Mark leaves out a detail that I personally find to be really important. This guy, he was naked. That's a, that's a pretty strange welcome party to, you know, crossing the sea and getting to this place you were going to. Well, Mark continues on. 
in verse six, it says that when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. You see, when this man sees Jesus, he drops everything he's doing and he runs up to him and he falls on his face before him and basically says, why are you here? And please don't, don't punish me. You know, what I find so fascinating about this guy's response to seeing Jesus is how quick he was to recognize the Lordship of Jesus. I mean, this guy was the epitome of evil, at least in the way the ancient world thought about it. And, and not only did he recognize the power and the authority of Jesus, he also feared it, right? He, he bowed down before him. I, I don't know about you, but like when I, when I hear this, it, it causes me to feel a little bit of guilt. I mean, so often in my life, I just treat Jesus like I would anybody else. Like, like he's just my friend or an acquaintance. And it's so easy for me to forget the reality of who he is as the son of God and the authority and the power that he possesses. And yet this man who is possessed by demons, he gets it and he responds accordingly. I think that's really fascinating. Our story continues in verse 13. I'm sorry, verse nine, it says this. It says that Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a great herd of pigs that was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And so he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and they entered the pigs in the herd, which was numbering about 2000. And they rushed down the steep bank into the sea and they drowned in the sea. Now, now I, I personally, I love how Jesus handled this, right? Because most people, if they had to deal with a naked, bloody man who's possessed by demons, they'd run away, right? I would, right? But not, but not Jesus. Like he actually sticks around and he engages this guy. He has a conversation, right? He starts off by asking, what's your name? And, and the guy goes, my name is, is Legion. Now, if you're familiar with Roman history, you might actually recognize this term. Uh, a legion was a group of about 6,000 soldiers, now, I can't say what I'm about to say with certainty because the Bible doesn't tell us this explicitly. So these are just my thoughts. But again, you know, just like the whole area of Decapolis, there's some subtext going on here. But I imagine that these demons being named Legion wasn't a coincidence. You see, scholars have actually speculated that in all likelihood, the Romans had stationed a legion of soldiers in the Galilee region. And so this name, right, the term Legion it would have been something that was familiar to everybody present. And also it would have been a name that honestly struck fear into their hearts because of what Rome had actually done in that area of how it had subjected the people and hurt the people, right? People, when they heard Legion, they, they were afraid, but not Jesus. You see, he didn't seem to fear this Legion at all. I mean, we see that in the way he handled these demons, don't we? Right, so, so here's my theory of, why this name is even in there. It's almost as if in asserting his authority in the act of casting these demons out of this man, that Jesus was making a statement that not even Rome, the most feared and powerful government on the planet, right? The most feared and gruesome army on the planet 
Not even they could stand against what God was about to do through Jesus. Now we don't know any of that with certainty, but what we do know is this. There were a lot of demons in this guy. And when they saw Jesus, they knew they were done because they knew that Jesus was in the business of liberating people from bondage. And they knew that he had the authority and the ability to cast them out. So instead of trying to fight for control, they simply asked to be sent into a bunch of these pigs that were nearby. And so Jesus allows them to. And so these demons, they leave the man, they go to the pigs and these pigs, they run off the cliff into the water and they're drowned. Well, the story continues. Verse 14 says that the herdsmen fled and they told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to see Jesus and they saw the demon possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. All right, so here we're starting to see some of the fallout from what happened, right? right. The caretakers of the pigs, they were obviously around when this whole thing went down and they were probably dealing with a whole lot of emotions in this moment. I mean, there's, there's sorrow, there's disbelief, there's anger, all of which I get. I mean, if I'd seen my livelihood just get destroyed, I, I might feel the same way. Now, when they saw what had happened to their sheep, they ran off into the city and they began telling everybody what happened. And, and so everybody comes to see, right? You got a bunch of, of looky-loos and they look around, they see the dead pigs like, oh, what, what happened here? But then when they see this man who had once been possessed sitting there clothed and in his right mind, their jaws probably dropped because they were remembering their history with him, right? They had done everything they possibly could to subdue this guy, to get him under control and nothing worked. But then this Jesus comes, this Jewish rabbi, and now this guy who had been insane is now sitting there calm. He's not possessed and the pigs are dead. What's going on? Well, when they heard all the details about what happened, they weren't filled with awe. They, they, They weren't filled with wonder, the text tells us they were actually filled with fear. And instead of worshiping Jesus, they begged him to leave, to get out of their land. They wanted nothing to do with him. Now, Jesus, not being one who typically stays in a place where he's not wanted, he agrees and he begins to prepare to leave. And this departure, it caused some angst for the man who had just been set free. The text tells us in verse 18, that as he, this would be Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. In other words, he wanted to go. He wanted to leave this place and to go with Jesus wherever Jesus went. Now think about this guy for a moment. Think about what was probably going on in his head. He had spent years in those tombs away from his friends and family. And over the course of his possession, he had probably burned any kind of bridge that he had with anybody in any kind of relationship he had. He he likely had nothing to his name of any kind of monetary value. His old life, his old city, all that it represented, it was just full of bad memories. Going back home for him, that would be painful. It was gonna be uncomfortable. And nobody wants that, right? Right? We want a fresh start. That's what he wanted. He wanted a fresh start. He wanted a chance to experience a new life. And in his mind, leaving his home and going with Jesus, that was gonna be the best option for him to experience it because it meant he wouldn't have to deal with the stairs. 
or, or the whispers or people wondering how long it was gonna be for him to slip back into his old ways. And so of course he asked Jesus to go. It seems like a really legitimate question. You might be shocked at how Jesus responds because verse 19 says that he being Jesus did not permit him. But he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus said no to this guy. Now, now you might be confused because I was too when I first read this, right? Because I thought Jesus always said yes to people who wanted to follow him. I thought he was always welcoming. I thought he was always doing that come follow me thing. Well, he is, but it's just not always in our terms. You see, there are times where he's gonna say no to the things that we want so that ultimately he could say yes to the things that we need. Right at the end of the day, I'm convinced that this man who had been set free, he was interested primarily in one thing and that was comfort, that that was ease. Right? He wanted a fresh start in a new place where people weren't gonna remember who he was. And what Jesus knew is that that's not actually what he needed. You see, Jesus knew that he actually needed a purpose. He needed a calling. He needed to experience redemption. He needed to be a part of something that was bigger than himself. He needed a life that was worth living. And it wasn't gonna be found in running away from the hard things. It was actually gonna be found in going back to them. So instead of allowing him to come with him to escape the pain and the awkwardness of life where he used to live, Jesus instead said this, go back to that place where you're from and tell your story. Remind people of who you used to be and then you know, tell them about how jacked up you were. Own all of that stuff, own all of your brokenness. But then here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them about what I've done for you, about the mercy my father has shown you. Tell them about how awesome God really is, that he's not just this fairy tale written about in some ancient book, but he's actually living and active and moving in this world today. And the way that they're gonna know this is true, it's by looking at you, right? You're gonna be the proof because they knew who you were. And now they're gonna see who you are. Your life is gonna be the proof of all that God can do in you and through you. And that's exactly what this guy did. As we finish out the story, we see that he went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. This man was obedient. He did what Jesus asked of him. And, and people marveled, right? Like they saw God for who he was and they responded. People's lives were literally transformed because this man said yes to this hard thing that Jesus asked him to do. That's beautiful. Now I imagine that most of us here are not dealing with demon possession, right? We're not running around the tombs naked, cutting ourselves and yelling at people. But even so, I think we still struggle with some of the same things that this guy was dealing with, at least when it comes to a fear of rejection or a fear of judgment or shame over our past and things that we've done or a fear of the unknown. And I really believe that at the end of the day, these are the things that are gonna keep us from experiencing the life that God wants for us this next year, the life that we ourselves want. It's not gonna be the inadequacies of the brokenness themselves. It's, it's gonna be our belief 
that those things somehow disqualify us from being used by God. All right, so there, there are these two things I see in this story, uh, which honestly, in so many ways, this story mirrors my own story. And I, I've shared that with you guys before, but th- there are these two things that I see in this story that I really think if we can grasp them, like if we can believe them, if we can internalize them, they're gonna help us over- overcome those doubts that we sometimes feel that we're somehow disqualified from being used or that we're unable to be used by God. Right, if we can believe these things, it's gonna get us to a place where we could actually fully with all of our heart believe and embrace this reality that God could do amazing things through us this next year. Right, so the first thing is this. First big idea, we gotta remember, it's okay to not be okay. Right, this man who's possessed by demons was more broken than any of us could ever hope to be. Looking at him before this encounter with Jesus, I mean, that there was no way that anybody would have ever thought he could be used for anything good. The people in his town had completely written him off. They'd completely driven him away. And yet none of that stopped Jesus from pursuing him. Jesus literally sailed across the raging sea and went through this storm to go to a place nobody was supposed to go to. And it was all for him. Jesus met him in the midst of his rejection And instead of affirming this story that he was telling himself, instead of affirming the story that other people were telling about him, Jesus told him a different story. It was a better story. And it was a story that was anchored in truth. Not being okay didn't bother Jesus one bit. The mess didn't give him any second thoughts about this guy. And your mess and your not okayness, it doesn't bother Jesus either. Maybe this last year for you wasn't your best year. Maybe you've got some mess in your life, right? Maybe maybe it's sin. Maybe it's some regrets you feel. I want you to know this. Jesus still loves you. There's nothing you can do that's ever gonna change that. There's nothing you can do that's ever gonna cause him to give up on you. He'll meet you in that brokenness. He'll meet you in your sin, in your mess. Why? Because it's, it's okay to not be okay. But we've also got to remember the second thing we see in this story. Because even though it's okay to not be okay, it's not okay to stay that way. You see, had Jesus met this man and given him some good things to live by, right? Some good advice, but he had never actually addressed the reality that he was possessed by demons. Had Jesus never given him something greater to live for than he was experiencing in that moment, this story would honestly have very little value to us. And that's because the core issues of what this guy was struggling with would have never been dealt with, right? right? Jesus called this man to a greater purpose. And for him to do that, it meant that he first had to be healed. He, he couldn't do what he was called to do unless the reality of where he was at and his brokenness and sin was dealt with first. You know, honestly, I think so many of us have resigned ourselves to thinking that we're always gonna deal with our struggles, right? With fill in the blank, right? We think that that sin or that struggle or that insecurity is going to be something that plagues us forever. And so we end up living with this fatalistic way of thinking that tells us that we're ultimately going to be powerless against it. And while on the one hand, we are powerless against it, I think far too often we forget that Jesus isn't. He's not. And we saw that with this man. Nobody was able to heal him. Nobody was able to bring the stuff that he was dealing with under control. But then Jesus shows up 
And all he has to do is speak. And this man's life, his future, is forever changed. And here's the beautiful thing to me. Jesus will speak those same words of life and freedom to us if we allow him. Right? Whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, that sin, that fear, that insecurity, that sense of inadequacy, I, I just want you to know Jesus is stronger. Whatever's holding you in bondage right now, know that Jesus is stronger. You don't have to stay captive to it anymore. You don't have to be identified by that thing anymore because Jesus is offering you freedom. The only question is, will you take him up on it? Let's pray. As we pray, I want to invite you to just have a conversation with the spirit about a few different things. And the first is this, as you reflect on this past year, as you think about where you've been, I just want you to ask the spirit, has there been anything that you've been dealing with that's been keeping you in bondage? Is it a sin or an insecurity or maybe something else? Ask the spirit what that thing is. And then once you've identified it, cry out to Jesus and invite him to speak those same words of life and freedom to you. The words of deliverance. So take a few moments to do this. And the second thing that I want you to ask the spirit is this. How does God want to use you in this next year? How does he want to use your story? The things that he's done for you, the things that he's done in you, how does he want to use that to help other people see how amazing he is? And is there a friend that needs to see this, a family member, a coworker? Take a few moments to ask him this. Jesus, you are in the business of liberating people, of setting captives free. The message that you came to proclaim was a message of good news, of hope, and of freedom. And our prayer, Lord, is that this next year, 
is that that could be something that we would experience. Much like this man that you set free, would we not be held in captivity to the things that hold us back, our sins, our fears, our insecurities, but would we cry out to you? And would we, would we accept this, this mission that you have given us here in this world to proclaim the good news of who you are and of what you've done wherever it is we are? Would we get to the end of 2022, not looking back with a list of regrets, but instead with this long list of stories that we could tell of how you have moved through us to draw people who are far from you near to you. Jesus, we wanna be used this next year. We want the city of Greeley to be impacted because of what you've done through us. We want the, the county of Weld and of the, city, the state of Colorado and so many more other people who are watching this. We want our lives to make a difference. And so we ask Lord that you would use us we cry out to you. We say, we're here, set us free. And Lord, use us to do whatever it is you've called us to do. We wanna live boldly in 2022, Lord. We really want it to be our best year ever. So would you go with us, Jesus? Praise in your name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, if there is anything we can just agree with you in prayer, please go to our website. We have a, a chat available for you or you can submit prayer requests. We would love to be praying for you uh, this week. That's on our website, yes? Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yep. And would you dismiss us with a blessing? I would love to. Yes. Let me just declare a blessing over you. Mm -hmm. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great week. And happy, happy New, New Year. Year.